What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I am James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at thepewterplank.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at the Peter Plank, at J Yarko underscore Bucks, and at DH82 underscore Bucks. We are joined by a very special guest for today's episode. None other, none other than Mr. Greg Allman of the Tampa Bay Times. Greg, how you doing? Doing well, guys. Doing well. Good to be back on the Locked on Bucks podcast. Yeah, uh, David had actually said we should have asked you to do the uh, the intro just to kind of confuse people real quick. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, it's like visiting an old house that you moved out of. It's like there's kind of some nostalgia. and uh, But no, it, it's, uh, it's good to have you guys taking care of the podcast. I appreciate it. Well, and, and it's great to have you on. Of course, we've been doing the podcast thing for a while and, and haven't had you on yet. And so we're, we're real excited to kind of pick your brain and, and, uh, and have you join us here. And, and Greg, I want to start off talking about, of course, the, uh, the big out of house signing. Of course, the biggest signings would be you know, Mike Evans and, and Cam Braid. But the, the biggest signing, you know, outside of the organization so far has been Bo Allen, formerly of the, the Philadelphia Eagles. And to to start off with that, kind of what does people get so upset that, you know, they signed a defensive lineman that that doesn't rack up the sack numbers and and there's more to it than that. So what do you see Bo Allen bringing to the Buccaneers defensive line? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I I totally get it because a lot of people wanted somebody to come in with 12, 15 sacks or something and really jump out that way. And, And I think the best way to say is that, I mean, Gerald McCoy would get frustrated last year talking about how the lack of a solid run defense, the lack of a consistent run defense was kind of the, uh, what predicated the lack of a pass rush. Because if you can't consistently stop a team from running the ball, you can't set up third and longs and situations where you know your opponent is passing or where you really rack up sacks. I mean, you really can get to the quarterback. Um, and when you can't stop the run, when you get the third and two, or you're not even getting a third down sometimes, it's just it, you can't even get to the pass rush part of your defense, if you will. So Bo Allen is a guy that most people probably have not heard of. Uh, but again, one of the things the Eagles did best in getting to the Super Bowl and winning a championship was stopping the run. And the number one run defense in the NFL, um, you probably heard about Fletcher Cox and Timmy Jernigan because they were their one-two you know, paid one guy $16 million, paid another guy $12 million. Uh, but the third guy in and the third D-tackle was Bo Allen. Um, you know, as a guy people don't know, he's a seventh-round draft pick. Um, but actually, I mean, you look at his numbers, again, he doesn't have gaudy sacks at all, but played, you know, 420 snaps, which is only about 70 less than Timmy Jernigan. Again, who made $12 million. So, uh, played at a high level on a very good, very deep defensive line. And I think they're just hoping that he can give them uh, a little more stoutness at the line of scrimmage that they really didn't have, whether it was McDonald or Baker that was lining up with Gerald McCoy last year. Uh, big guys like 6'6", 327. You definitely notice the bulk right away. <laughs> now... I made the comparison on on Twitter, and and for those that don't follow baseball, they may not get the the comparison that I made. But from what I've seen so far of Bo Allen and things that I've heard Eagles fans say to me about the signing, I compared him to Mike Napoli. He seems like one of those guys that fans are going to gravitate towards because he's 
he seems like he's kind of a fun loving guy, has a, a, a good attitude, um, you know, kind of funny, interactive on Twitter. Uh, but when it comes yeah. time to play the game, you know, he's he's going to be all business. And so that was that was kind of the first thing that popped in my head, uh, you know, much to the chagrin of a lot of Tampa fans. I am a Red Sox fan, so I have a, an affinity for Mike <laughs> Napoli. Um, what right. were what were your impressions of of Allen? at the press conference today, just kind of in general as, as a, an everyday guy and kind of some of the things that he said involving why he came here and, and his work ethic. Yeah. And, and I like the comparison to Napoli there. The, the only thing I'll guard you with is that this time last year, we liked how quirky and fun Chris Baker was. So that, that, is that alone isn't going to win you over with fans, but, but in talking to <laughs> Bo Allen today, uh, he took the podium today, kind of did a 10 minute presser talking to us. Um, it was neat in that he mentioned that, you know, it's a very similar defense for him. It's a 4-3 attack defense that he remembers early on in his Eagles career. They watched a lot of Bucks tape. I mean, that's something they looked at. Gerald McCoy was kind of a model for what they wanted defensive tackles to do. Um, so he likes that this is a very similar defense to what he's been asked to do in Philadelphia. Uh, that helps. You know, you're not switching schemes, anything drastic like that. And then I think he likes the idea of being able to line up next to Gerald McCoy. I mean, I think he's had good guys in front of him his entire career. But um, in talking to him, I think you definitely get a sense of personality. You mentioned very active on Twitter, back and forth, enthusiastic. He's still a young guy. Um, had all kinds of fun stories today. I uh, was talking about how he met his current girlfriend on, on Bumble with putting up an elephant pic. He put up a photo of himself in an elephant costume as his dating app photo. Um, you know, big guy, he's got long hair, braids his hair, uh, every game with a, you know, as, as a nod to his mom. His mom, you know, got diagnosed with breast cancer when he was 12, battled that all through his high school years, going through chemotherapy and everything. So uh, nice guy, very likable guy, somebody I think Bucks fans will, will take well to. Um, especially if he can make a difference on the field and, and help them be a better run defense. That's awesome, Greg. And, and I think I think I agree. Like just what we've seen from from Bo already is, is already great. So hopefully he's going to be a really good addition to the team. And it's, you, it's yeah, one thing. One other thing. I mean, yeah, I don't want to cut you guys off. One, one thing too with Bo is that I I always feel like you get a real good sense of a signing just by how his departure is received by his old team. Um, and there's some mm-hmm. guys where the Bucks will sign a guy and the entire fan base is like, all right, good luck with that, man. You, you have fun with that guy. Uh, they don't mind losing him at all. And if you do a Twitter search for Bo Allen, I mean, there's there's a parade of Eagles fans that are legitimately upset that they weren't able to keep him. Um, and again, they, they had some tough – I feel like in free agency, for you to get value in free agency, you have to be able to – cherry pick a team that does not have the room to keep everybody they want to. And the Eagles are definitely a team that's having to make all kinds of moves just to get under the cap, let alone to spend. Um, so they've had to trade away some players. They've had to lose some players. And I think they've benefited from that there. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just think I think Eagles fans in general are, are missing this guy right now. And I think that helps, bodes well for what he can do for the Bucks. No, that's a great point, Greg. I've got a, a good friend of mine who's a diehard Eagles fan. And as soon as the news uh, broke almost as fast as I saw the news breaking over Twitter and all that. Uh, I got a message from him on Facebook telling me how lucky we were to uh, to have him. So, uh, good point on that. And seeing the, just seeing the team address the defensive line and just get in the trenches and they're 
free agency hunt has been good. But uh, obviously, and I know you fielded a lot of questions today about the topic, so maybe we can make this one quick. But Ryan Jensen is in, in Indianapolis, right? Uh, has there Have you heard anything kind of on the rumor mill about how things are going over there for him? Not, not like since he got there. Um, I, I do want to kind of caution that it, it sounded like in going into these visits, um, he had kind of intended to take both. Um, had wanted to make sure, had right. kind of told the Colts he was going to go there. So uh, I think there's definitely a sense for how do you let the guy out of the building. And, and the way you keep a guy from getting out of the building is you just keep raising the money until he says yes. It's just not a good bargaining position to be in. So, um, you know, I think the Bucks got that first visit because they were the most compelling offer he had. And while they weren't able to just completely shut things down and say you don't even have to go to Indianapolis, right. Um, you know, he had his best season last year as a center, and he's got he's played some guard in the past. But this is the first year he's been a full-time starter. Um, did well at center. Um, I, we don't really know for sure which way the Bucks want to go because Marpet's a guy that can shift back to guard or stay at center. But Indy had a second-round pick two years ago as a center. So the, the thought in Indianapolis mm-hmm. is that he would be going there as a guard. Um, he might prefer that. Guards can make more money in the NFL, don't get me wrong. but um, I think the flexibility the Bucks have in that it, he might be a center, he might be a guard, whatever suits his strength, I think that probably works in their favor. Um, this this would be a splash offensive lineman. This would not quite be an Andrew Norwell. This would not be uh, mm-hmm. as big as a Nate Solder. Um, but you would make a, you could make a case he's one of the five best offensive linemen av- available in this class. And if they got him, uh, I think you'd count that – as big an addition in terms of helping the team as maybe Deshaun Jackson was a year ago. Uh, it'll probably be yeah. close to $9, $10 million a year if they get him. Um, so this will be a big, big financial commitment. Um, and, and I don't think, I mean, as much as they've gotten grief for not having a splash signing in the first couple of days of free agency, this would be a big get for them if they pulled it off. Um, I don't know which way he's leaning. I don't know which team is ahead, um, how quickly he'll decide. But again, I mean, it, there's things on both sides. If you're the Bucks, I'm sure you're telling him who exactly you're going to be blocking for next year. You know, is it going to be Andrew Locke? Is it going to be Jacoby Brissett? Who who do you think your quarterback is going to be? Uh, I'm sure the Colts right. are telling him who's going to be your coach next year. You know, you, you don't know beyond 2018 with the Bucks who the coach is, who the GM is going to be, all those kind of things. So there's there's pluses and minuses on both sides. Uh, but again, I, everything everything that we've been told. Visit went well. Just just wanted to do the due diligence of checking out his second option there with the Colts and see what they had to offer as well. Right. So his his leaving camp with that deal is not just automatically a bad sign. And who can really blame him? I mean, he was a if I remember correctly, he was a seventh round pick right when he came out. Uh, I mean, to to go from being you know such an unheralded player coming into the NFL to being one of the most sought after offensive linemen free agency, why why not take that opportunity to you know, right. Oh yeah, you, you only get uh, yeah. as an NFL player. This is this is when you can make the most of something. So I totally get maximizing that and and kind of leaving no stone unturned, that kind of thing like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then shifting gears uh, to Cam- Cameron Braid. Obviously, everybody's happy that he resigned. Uh, James and I though, and and we we put it out on the site and in a few tweets and everything else. The 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 the, the deal that got put in place for Cameron Braid was just so shockingly low to us. Now, is this a case where, because uh, I know the news came out that Cam basically told his agency, hey, just get it done. I want to stay in Tampa. 
is this a case where that's just basically it or like are we did we just overvalue him because we dedicated a whole podcast episode to kind of how we thought Cam Braid's uh, contract would go if it were a long-term deal and we were off by a mile <laughs> no I mean I had gone in I mean if you, you try and ballpark a value in your head and I kind of thought it'd be a six seven million a year type thing um and, and that's what he would make on the open market so you have to realize that <clears throat> the Bucks had control for a year I mean if they even if right. they put a first-round tender on him, which pretty much, I mean, I, I think a second-round tender would have been pretty prohibitive for getting another team to make a compelling offer to get him, because that's a big pick to give up. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're talking about $3 million a year. So you have to think of it as he knows he was only going to make $3 million this next year. So if you add on five years at seven a year, that's 35. Now you're at 38, 39. So you know, I thought it was a good deal. Um, I was impressed by how how long the contract is as a commitment. He's got three years guaranteed in there. So what's nice about it is that it, it basically works out to being a three-year, $18 million contract that they need it to be. Um, and how that meshes well is everybody's wondering how they can afford two tight ends, how they can have two top-tier tight ends with him and O.J. Howard. And what will happen is when O.J. Howard's rookie deal is done, kind of when he stops being an inexpensive tight end, uh, and that's at the end of the 2020 season. That that's kind of the pinch point where the Bucks can make a decision. If if they're thrilled with Cam Brady still getting eight touchdowns a year, uh, they keep him. And if they want to pay OJ Howard instead, they can move on from Cam Brady. They can pay both. They're teams that have done well paying two tight ends. So it's not anything that restrictive. Um, and I think more than anything else, they want to make sure they're cultivating a a model where young players see if you play well, if you step up and consistently perform, you're going to get rewarded, whether you're a first-round pick Mm -hmm. or an undrafted guy like Cam. So I think it sends a really good message when they're trying to get undrafted rookies after this draft. He's going to be – he and Adam Humphreys are going to be the model. Hey, look, you know, we think a lot out of you. You know, four years ago we thought out a lot of Cam Brate. He just got a $40 million contract. So I think that's a really easy way for them to pitch – undrafted guys on giving the Bucks a chance because they'll develop talent and they'll kind of going back to the the free agency pool here, Greg. Alex yeah. Okafor, the the former Cardinals and Saints defensive end, you know, he's still recovering from the Achilles injury, but he was in for a visit today. Um an obvious need for the Bucks at, at defensive end. And from from what we've seen, I think it was Jenna Lane that had that had tweeted it out that he left without the deal. There was mutual interest. Um, you know, is there is there anything you can tell us about that visit? Is it you know is there still fear that maybe he hasn't recovered yet, or is it one of those things where they just wanted to get a gauge as to how much interest was on both sides? And Okafor is going to continue to try to test the market and see what other interest is out there, or uh, just just kind of you know what's the the latest on Okafor? Yeah, I mean, the, the vibe I got in, in, in talking to people today was, was that the visit went well. Um, again, like you said, mutual interest. Uh, I, I think it's kind of like you, you don't want to buy a car the first time you go on a lot, that kind of thing. So I think they're stepping back to make sure it's the right deal for them. Um, like his side of things wasn't saying whether they had any visits lined up yet. But, uh, you know, Okafor's a guy, I, I mean, going into the off season, he made sense as a match for me just as a guy that Jason Light had drafted in Arizona that would come available, was relatively cheap 
from New Orleans. The, the Achilles injury is unfortunate, but it kind of keeps him from becoming a six or seven million dollar a year guy. I mean, I think he'll basically be. I think he played for three million last year with the Saints. He'll probably be a little bit more than that, but I don't think he'll be too much more than that. And then you add Brenton Buckner, and now you've got a pretty easy hook for why he would come to Tampa. Mm-hmm. And that here's a guy that was his D line coach in Arizona. When he had his best football, it was with Buckner coaching him every day. Had eight sacks in his first full NFL season in 2014 with Brenton Buckner as his coach. So to me, it's a very good match just in terms of familiarity, in terms of need and value. Um, you know, the Saints have spent a lot of money in free agency compared to the Bucks so far. So it's possible that um, they might not be in a position to retain him as much as they would like. So we'll see here in the next day or two, but but it seems still pretty good. That that would have been the first name I mentioned to you guys going into free agency as a natural, reasonable match in free agency for what they need and, and talent that they know. All right. I like that answer. <laughs> there you go. No, um, I mean, you know, obviously, I think, you know, I'm, no, I'm not definitely not in the minority. Want to see them kind of uh, impact their 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 pass rush uh, and just their defensive line play in general. Um, are there any other uh, free agents on the market, Greg, that you kind of have your uh, ear to the ground, you know, listening uh, for for any rumblings, or uh, do you think no, uh, I mean, Jensen and maybe Okafor are kind of it? Yeah, those are the two that are kind of right. On deck, if you will. I mean, there have been a lot of talk about Mo Claiborne last night. Uh, he ended up re-signing with the Jets. You know, I, I did not think Mo Claiborne was a $7 million cornerback, to be honest. Um, as somebody who's, you know, beyond his second contract, you know, um, you know, not probably the guy he was supposed to be as a high draft pick. I didn't think he'd be $7 million. So if the Bucks had signed him for $7 million, I would have been surprised and felt like that was a lot. Um, so that's a name that had been mentioned. You know, most of your top tier corners are off the market now. So it's entirely possible they're they're going to go with Grimes and a rookie, or Grimes and somebody they can get uh, cut from another team, or or kind of in the second wave of things here. I, I don't expect them to go out and get a a ten or twelve million dollar cornerback. Okay. okay. And by that we're just yeah. I mean, I think it's just wait and see now. I mean, there's not. Uh, there's lots of little needs they have, but there's nothing huge. So I think you're just going to see a lot more mid-range guys that fill needs and and step in for them without a whole lot of splash beyond what we've seen. Is it is it kind of the same with with running back? Of course, they were in on on Jarek McKinnon. He goes to uh, to San Francisco and and <clears throat> you know, really cashes in with uh, with John Lynch over there. It, there's an obvious need at, at running back with the with the release of Doug Martin. Charles Sims is a free agent. Are are we looking at at a possible Jeremy Hill interest, or is it going to be one of those things where they're going to roll with Peyton Barber, Jacquez Rogers, and a rookie? Maybe bring back Charles Sims because uh, that's you know that's another one of those those position concerns that a lot of Buccaneers fans have right now. Yeah, I I went into this not expecting them to pay top dollar for a running back. If you think about who Doug Martin was two years ago, for him to earn $7 million a year from the Bucks and for them to invest that much in the position, and then for Doug to be who Doug has been for the last two years, 
I would be hesitant as a franchise to put a whole lot into a running back. If somebody that you knew that well disappointed to that extent, I don't know why you'd make the same investment in a lesser known commodity. So Jarek McKinnon, you know, for him to be getting six uh, five, almost seven million dollars a year, if you look at his body of work, I mean, he averaged three four and three eight a carry the last two years. He, he's never had anything close to the two seasons that Martin had. So uh, I think there's upside there with him, and he could do very well in San Francisco. I don't get me wrong. I, I would have been surprised if the Bucks had invested in him to the extent that John Lynch did. Um, if there's a mid-range option, there's a three or four million dollar back who would come in, and you'd expect him to be better than Peyton Barber, but still leave open the possibility for uh, a second or third round pick to go to a rookie. Then you have three nice kind of run by committee, and maybe one of them emerges as a real star. That would seem more like a model to me. Um, and I don't know who fits that mold right now. You mentioned Jeremy Hill. I think he's getting a look from the Patriots tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other guys that are not overwhelming and not Deion Lewis or Jarek McKinnon exciting, but guys that I think could make them better. So um, I, I didn't have an expectation of that being a real priority for them money-wise and free agency, but I, I know they have to replace Doug Martin, and I fully expect them to have to replace Charles Sims. So that's that's two backs you got to bring in, and you probably only want, want one of them to be a rookie. So, yeah, I think they'll find somebody. All right. Well, Greg, that about does it for us. Really appreciate you uh, giving us some of your, your time here tonight to uh, to discuss all the, the latest doings in Buccaneers free agency. No, it's a good time to do it, and thank you guys for having me. We'll have to do it again uh, as we get ready for the season starting up and stuff in the fall. Oh, absolutely. Awesome. Thanks, Greg. All right. You guys have a good night. Thanks again for having me. Thank you. We really appreciate it. All right. Take care. All right, that was Greg Allman of the Tampa Bay Times. You can find him on Twitter at Greg Allman, and Greg does a phenomenal job of of keeping everyone in the loop as to the latest in in Buccaneers moves and and doings and thoughts and processes and everything. Really interactive. He does a great job on Twitter, and of course, you can find us on Twitter over at Locked On Bucks at the Peter Plank at J Yarko underscore Bucks and at DH eighty two underscore Bucks. Make sure you're following along with everything that we're doing over at thepeterplank.com. We have a free agency tracker, all the latest signings, rumors, visits, everything. It's all being updated into one thread, so you don't have to scroll through a whole bunch of stuff. Real easy and compact for you to find there. And we would like to thank each and every one of you for joining us right here at Locked On Bucks. Don't- 